Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy, Henry. And it's your girl, Elise. And we are two Asian baristas who are reorienting specialty coffee and rethinking Robusta by representing Asian cultures. And we are back. Back again. <laughs> okay, I, look who's back, right? Back, back again. again. Isn't that no, 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 Batman. <laughs> That's not what I was going for. I don't know what you're going for. Oh, the Eminem song. Look who's back, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's my favorite candy. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> um, okay, well, Skittles guys. are good, too. Kit Kats. Reese's. Oh, crap. Wait, no. Wait, I'm doing the trademark thing Shut again. Shut up. You don't have to do it every time. <laughs> it's literally an accident every single time. You I don't see. have to do it every time. Okay, guys. We're back with the second part to our episode on Indonesia. Indonesia, which, like, part one was so... It was, like, 40 minutes, we were just saying. Yeah. And there was just su- such good content that we, we we want to be able to do it justice, and we don't want you to sit in your cars or rooms... For, like, an hour and a half. Or bathroom. I don't know. Wherever you listen to a podcast <laughs> for an hour and a half. I listen to my podcast in my bathroom sometimes. Not, oh. not <laughs> like, like, when I'm showering or, like, when, oh. I'm, not like when I'm on the toilet. <laughs> You guys, you want to know something funny? We were thinking of... Henry was like, we should make lots of jokes because this is part two. And then he had to poop. And so that's why it's part two because... Poop. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, listen to the podcast (laughs) wherever you want on the way to work. We just wanted to make it, you know, an adequate, a good commute time is kind of what we've always said. Right, yeah. Bite size is always the goal. So picking up where we left off, um, if you also haven't heard part two, um, or I'm sorry, part one, and you're realizing this is part two... Please make sure you go back and listen to part one. Otherwise, a lot of what we're talking about may not make sense. So, or just be a rebel, like like going to like the end just, of the like, like the rebels from Star Wars and <laughs> just rebel and listen to part two. Or yeah. Mm. Or the book, just reading the end of the book. Yeah, like I actually do that. I don't like. Spo- I love spoil. I don't like. I always read like the last chapter of every book I read, and then I read the book. Are you serious? Because I want to know what happens. What's wrong with you? I don't want. I. I want to be able to see it coming and see the progression of what happens at the end of the book. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. like, literally, I I knew that Dumbledore was going to die before everybody knew. Okay, sorry. Spoiler <laughs> alert, I guess. It's been out for, like, 20 years. Well, you never know. We could have young listeners. Who knows? Young listeners. <laughs> so, la- picking up from where we left off, where is coffee in Indonesia today? Um, well, today... Indonesia is the fourth largest coffee producer in the world and the third largest Robusta producer in the world. So they're still very much a part of the coffee game today. Um, Their coffee plantations cover a total area of approximately 1.24 million hectares, and one hectare is roughly about one acre or so. So imagine how much of land that is. Um, Is it 100 acres? Or sorry, a hundred acres. Sorry, what, what did I say? One. one. I'm sorry. One hectare is one hundred acres. Sorry, <laughs> my math was bad. Um, about nine hundred thirty-three hectares of robusta plantations and three hundred seven hectares of arabica plantations, and over ninety percent of them are cultivated by small-scale growers, who relatively own small plantations, about a hundred acres each. So, um, which is like. You know, compared to Vietnam, Indonesia doesn't have those huge, big coffee plantations, mm-hmm. um, which does mean that they have a lot more difficulty in safeguarding, like, yeah. stable production volumes and quality. Um, so the output of their production sometimes, like, loses um, 
in the competitive and like international market just because quality control is hard to, to maintain. Yeah, for sure. And even even with the, the small amount of land, they're still, they're still growing. And I feel like even compare, in comparing with other Asian, Asian countries, like mm-hmm. growth is probably the best definition, I would say, for, for all of these countries. Like since the 1960s, they've shown a small but stable increase in domestic production of coffee. But again, uh, according to st- some statistics in Indonesia, uh, the size of the coffee estates in Indonesia are in decline as farmers have shifted their focus from 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 to oil or rubber or cocoa, which have higher yields on the market as opposed to coffee, um, which is pretty interesting to see that they're kind of going towards something else. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting because there's still such a large producer of coffee in the world. Yeah. Um, with that being said. so And it, com- it looks like it comes down to like, Farmers are still families who need money. Right. So when they see that, hey, people aren't recognizing the quality and the uniqueness of Indonesian coffee, they're like, well, people aren't buying us despite us doing our best efforts to give the highest being we can. We'll just do something else. Yeah. And so, you know, if we do our part in buying Indonesian coffee, we're... We really are helping families. I think the other part that's interesting, too, is that kind of like how we talked about in our last episode, um, the island of Java, which is a part of Indonesia, makes up a lot of the majority of the coffee production. Um, Yeah. And although uh, the other islands are producing other coffees as well, it's just as it's like a matter of, I think, land as well. Like the fact that we don't have... Indonesia is not a country like Vietnam or Brazil, Brazil, where there's just like these huge, huge coffee farms and plantations. And that is a good thing, but like how we're realizing, it, it does make it harder for the mass quantities to be produced. Um, and it does mean that more time has to be taken to like regrow the crops and like harvest and like yeah. all that stuff. So it's like give and take where, okay, it's good that it hasn't become so too commercial, but at the same time, it's also like, man, there are some some roadblocks here for Indonesian coffee. So, for sure. um, in 2012, approximately 70% of Indonesia's total annual coffee bean production was exported, mainly to customers in Japan, South Africa, Western Europe, and of course the United States. Um, however, as Indonesia's domestic consumption of, of coffee has been growing, exports have declined. So, coffee consumption in Indonesia rose. Um, by a compound annual growth rate of 7.7% between the years of 2011 and 2014, um, still at about one kilogram. And that was back in 2014, the most recent. Yeah. Um, and we'll put our stats. Notes, yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. And, you know, according to data from the Indonesian Coffee Exporters Association, or the AEKI, let me make sure I get the acronyms really help mm-hmm. with organizations, let me tell you. Indonesian farmers, in cooperation with the relevant ministries, they're planning to expand coffee in Indonesian coffee plantations. They want to expand by also kind of rejuvenating or renovating or kind of revitalizing old plantations through intensification uh, plantations or programs or whatnot. Sorry, I cannot talk tonight. It's It's been a long week. Essentially, Indonesian coffee, they're seeking to grow while also kind of helping the farms that that aren't there yet because we've seen rust disease Mm -hmm. and fires have really kind of Mm -hmm. destroyed some of the older farms. So like, hey, let's make new, let's kind of start new farms, but also kind of help the old farmers get back to where they need to be. Yeah. What I think is also interesting too is that I, maybe this is just my understanding of rust disease, but I always think about rust disease in the way that like 
we talk about the bubonic plague. You know, it's like, oh, it was something that happened just so long ago and like, yeah. et cetera. But like rust disease is like happens pretty frequently for a mm. lot of like coffee farmers. And I, when we were doing some research, I actually saw that in even like as early or not early, um, as recently as 2010, like coffee farmers in Indonesia were having some rust disease problems. So I do think um, it is, it is like, something like rust disease is a common problem that we have to like consider um so basically um in the coming years uh the target for this coffee production intensification programs is to reach anywhere between 900,000 and 1.2 million tons of coffee per year um which is that's a big goal I mean that's like two rooms or two buckets full I think it's more than that. It's probably but. more than that. Filled <laughs> <laughs> <Good> math <laughs> in um, high school. Sorry, Miss Bianchi. <laughs> it's like my high school math teacher. <laughs> she probably doesn't listen to this, but if you ever listen to this, sorry about that. <laughs> so um, as both global and domestic demand is rising, the investment of the country's coffee sector is actually much needed. So... Besides increasing the quantity of the beans, the quality is also expected to increase, um, especially due to a lot of technological innovations they've had. However, we'll talk about that in a second, too. Yeah. I have a note on that. Um, however, coffee production per hectare, or again, per 100 acres, is still relatively low compared to other large coffee-producing countries. Um, so, for example, in 2015, Indonesia produced 741 kilograms of Robusta, and 108 kilograms of Arabica per 100 acres. But in Vietnam, the figure stands at 1,500 kilograms per hectare, and in Brazil, at 2,000 Oh, my gosh. That is, like... That's a big difference. And honestly, if we just said, like, the first statistic of 808 and 741... It's like, that's a lot. That's already a lot, but in comparison... To, like, Brazil and Vietnam. And also, good note on that, like... If, if you remember in part one, we talked about how <clears throat> Arabica was prominent, but then because of rust disease that right. we just mentioned, Robusta became more prominent. So it's right. actually kind of cool to see that now they're since 20... They're kind of even. Yeah, yeah. kind of even and since... Yeah, so that's that's super interesting to see, which is a good thing because, you know, I think, especially what we stand for at Asian Coffee, we want to reorient our coffee and right. rethink Robusta. So it's, hey, if Robusta and Arabica are kind of being produced at the same rate... Right. Well, then there should be a high quality to both types of beans. Then. Right. Both both should have a certain, the same level of care and intentionality that goes into the quality control and, and like, production value. So. Yeah, for sure. And today, more than 90% of Indonesia's coffee is grown by smallholders on farms, averaging, again, one hectare or less. Most or much of the production is organic, and at least 19 farmers... Farmer cooperatives and exporters are internationally certified to make, to market organic coffee. Which actually, fun note on this, every now and then we get a lot of people that come into our cafe, and they say, "Hey, is your coffee organic?" Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is which is a fair question. And so, actually, I would say a majority of farmers, they are organic, right? There, there are sure. organic, like most of them are organically grown. But the reality is that, that certification that I just mentioned is really expensive to get, right. yeah. and it's honestly. Not worth it to get the certification because yep. it just costs farmers a lot of money and they yeah. need to make money. And right. so it's, it's cool to see the certification. But honestly, when you go into a shop, if you're more focused on whether they're organic, like organically certified, like right. just buy the dang coffee because you're supporting the farmer. Right. Especially if you're going to buy something from like a local coffee shop too, like locally roasted. Yeah. More than likely, you're, you're 
buying from a farmer that probably does organic farming, but just maybe isn't willing to go through the expensive fee to get that organic stamp on your bag of beans. And even with that being said too, like that doesn't necessarily mean that by them getting that certification, it jacks up their prices more, or it, it means that like they're able to sell more of their coffee, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, if that makes sense. You no, know? that totally, that totally makes so, sense. Um, so that's the state of coffee now. Right. Exactly. But with that comes challenges like a new challenger has appeared (laughs) and kind of our our thought process on this is that we we really want to evaluate what is if we talk about indonesia being kind of encompassing of Mm -hmm. java sumatra and Sulawesi, Mm -hmm. each actually kind of area has their own unique challenges they're all pretty similar but we really wanted to focus on all three and kind of the the most prominent challenge in each right Mm -hmm. so we're kind of working backwards but we'll start with sumatra this time um so one of the big challenges we kind of mentioned this before but just consistent quality control Mm -hmm. um so what we found is that sumatra was um the, the the quality of the coffee in sumatra was impacted by both human and technical factors. So many of the coffee farmers will mix a variety of different types together in an attempt to sell them as one coffee species. But eventually when they're being tested, the coffee will be sold at a lower price due to the range of quality. So the quality of coffee also has a lot to do with like with the drying processes. So um, green coffee bees, bees, (laughs) green coffee beans, have to reach a specific humidity level in order to taste good after being roasted. And so if you have such a different wide range of quality and variety of coffees, it's just really hard to to manage and navigate how exactly you're processing them. So a lot of basic equipment is needed to optimize this process. Um, And so without it, the consistency is not guaranteed. Yeah, and then not just the quality, but it's also the quantity. I think I think it, it kind of takes both. But you're reading that like farmers can only get like or harvest ten to thirty percent of the crops wow. that they actually grow, which is really not wow, not that, is that so good. Oh, small. Yeah, and like and so I'm, and the, because we see that like there's such a high demand mm-hmm. for for buying Indonesia coffee in kind of recent years, which mm-hmm. is why that's been kind of the biggest issue. So not only can having proper equipment improve the quality, it also in- improves the quantity. As many beans are ruined from poor drying. And the biggest factor that affects quantity is knowledge. Mm. Using current practices, most coffee farmers, again, they only get 10 to 30% of their potential crop, which leads many smallholder farmers to slash and burn forests in order to plant more coffee trees. But instead of slashing and burning forests, we could just improve cultivation methods, which will increase production over time without destroying forests. So it's like, hey, they're like, basically, we're not... We're not able to harvest much, so let's just go destroy pure land to grow more. But then even as they're doing that, they still aren't really getting that much. So yeah. improving education and improving yeah. how the farmers are growing right. is like probably the next step to right. that they need to face. Right, which is such a huge difference between like, like from a consumer's perspective because you're like, man, how do I as a consumer help with educating a farmer in Indonesia? You know, um, but there's a lot of organizations that that do like help, um, and especially the ones that work hand to hand with green beans, buying coffee, green beans. Um, there are people that can help be that bridge the gap um, between the roasters and like 
the quality control producers, farmers, etc. The bridge. So, the bridge to the Terabithia. Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> I knew that girl died because I read the end of the book oh first. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on a side, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> on a side note, to give some perspective. Um, an eight ounce whole bean bag of coffee in Indonesia would cost about 128,000 Indonesian rupiah, which equals to about $8.83 in US dollars. So it's like a pretty decently cheap bag of coffee. Like I would say some of the coffees that we sell here at Third Wave range anywhere from what, like 14 to 21, right? 14 to 21, 22. We've had it's the highest bag that I think we've ever sold here is $25. So I want to say it was a Costa Rica yeah. anaerobic. But that leads me into Sulawesi coffee. Sulawesi. Because Sulawesi coffee Why? Is, Explain. I'm, I was saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because. Part three is coming out next. <laughs> no, no. <we're, laughs> there's no part two. There's no part three. It's just part two. It's actually really good. <laughs> so Sulawesi coffee is a rare type of coffee that is pretty hard to get a hold of. Because um, it's known for its unique flavor profile and taste. Uh, it's so rare that it actually also sells out quickly in Starbucks um, and other coffee shops is due to the high difficulty of acquiring it and it's high quality. So what makes Sulawesi coffee so unique is that it's one of the few Arabica beans grown in, in Indonesia still. Um, and like we said earlier, right, rust disease really kind of wiped out a lot of the Arabica variety. So yeah. having Sulawesi coffee native to Indonesia, more or less quote unquote native, um, is a pretty rare thing to have. And so buying Sulawesi coffee is even more of a difficult task, mainly just because it's hard to find a certified Sulawesi coffee grower. Mm. Um, and so this is actually a really great for people who are consumers, especially those who tend to actually even go to Starbucks too. It's a really big risk to buy Sulawesi coffee through Amazon specifically because whether or not um, it's you know marketed as Sulawesi, it's actually not. It, it could it could be like not real Sulawesi coffee or not huh. freshly ground Sulawesi coffee. So some regions produce lower quality beans um, as opposed to others and so but but for production quality sake like they're trying to basically false advertise and like sell that, you know it's that's interesting because i was actually when i was reading in in the the sumatra mm. kind of quality section like there are some farmers that'll just mix and match mm -hmm. their beans mm -hmm. just to say just to make yeah, money just sometimes. like call it yeah like and i'm not saying the farmers are in there wrong they need right. to, they need to make money at one point but right. it's like if people were appreciating Indonesian coffee in the first mm -hmm. place, they wouldn't have to do that. And not to mention, too, it's like, okay, well, what's the motivation behind it? Is the motivation to mix all these different quality coffees motivated by the fact that they need to make a living? Or is it motivated by, like, experimentation? Or is it lack of education? Like, those are the, the questions, like, us as consumers, we should definitely be asking ourselves because, like, that does dictate how these, these people are producing the quality of coffee it's the same thing with like every time you go eat a fast food hamburger if you don't care about the quality of the product that's being put into your body there's no incentive for fast food chains to change hmm. the quality of the ingredients you know so same same idea 
Um, so I would say that the biggest problem that Sulawesi coffee faces is the lack of regulation and organization. So it's really hard to know if the seller is working with a reputable farm. Um, and so between the farmers planting in a scattered manner and the lack of structure when it comes to selling harvested beans, there's just a lot of inconsistencies with the coffee bean quality um, between the different batches. Kind of like how we've been saying all this time, right? Um, so it sounds like <clears throat> throughout Indonesia, the main issue that you see is just an inconsistent batch um, of quality. And, that, and that's the same thing with, with Java in general. And if anything, right now, I've researched it, like Sumatra is doing better than Java right now. Mm. And I think even like the connotation of like the Mocha Java is giving people kind of like yeah. a bad connotation of like what Java coffee is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the idea too of it being like, Java is such a generic word for yeah. coffee. Like even just trying to research challenges in Java, Indonesia, like the only thing that comes up all the time is like, what's in your Java today? Like, I the know, stupid Java juice, <laughs> Java mama. So one thing I really want to bring up that's really important actually is Oh, is this ahead. is this is it this yes, one? Yes, yes. Yes. I was so excited to talk about this because I pooped before this 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 episode. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, poop coffee. Kopi luwak. Kopi luwak is it's kind of related to what Henry is saying. I we, we should have bought this bean. Nope. But, but nope. just to say we tried it, but after it. reading the ethical reasons, it's not worth I was it. like, it's not worth it. It's so so, not so, worth so it. hear us out. Go for it. So coffee that consists this is from it's an Indonesian thing that's partially digested coffee cherries, which have been eaten and defecated by the Asian palm chivet, also called chivet coffee. It is like it's this little animal. It's like a lemur looking thing. It kind of looks like a. Yeah, not a lemur, but it kind of looks like a like a rodent. Um, What's the song that they sing like in Madagascar? The, the lemurs. I don't. I like to move it. I like to move it, move it. It doesn't look like. You a lemur. like to move it, it move it. If you look up a civet, like I think it's civet, it, by the way. You like to. Move I'm pretty it. for. Is it civet? Civet, shivet. Anyway, I'm, I'm point is, it, it kind of looks like a little like chinchilla. If you've ever looked it up, what does it say? Civet. 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 I, I've looked at it like three times and I still said civet, civet. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, it's a little chinchilla thing, but it's, but literally like, so the, the cherry, the cherries are fermented as they pass through the animal's intestines <laughs> and after being defecated, they're, they're collected and these Asian Paul civets are increasingly called in the wild and they're traded for this purpose. And I, I honestly don't know much about the taste of it, but it's like, it's hurting the animals. It's so honestly. unethical. Like, it's raised so many ethical concerns because they're being caught, they're being caged, they're force-fed cherries for processing. I always assumed it was like they just ate cherries naturally and pooped them and, yeah. pooped them and well, people collected them. But that's what's supposed to be. Yeah. And these farms, they claim to be ethical and cage-free, but it's so hard to regulate. And it's kind of like kind of the whole like chicken and cow crisis kind of here in America right. where it's yeah. like, you just sometimes you just don't know unless someone sneaks in on the inside totally, and like yeah. slides a camera in their yeah. belly or something. But yeah. it's like it's hard to like a track and proving that the farms are ethical and, and wild sourced is very difficult. And although Kopi Luak is a form of processing rather than a variety of coffee, it's been called one of the most expensive coffees in the world, which can reach to a US hundred dollars per kilogram and thirteen hundred dollars per kilogram for wild collected beans. And some specialty shops will sell a cup of brewed Kopi Luwak for like 35 to $80. So like, yeah, 
let's re let's refresh that difference. If you want a just a farmed kilogram of Kopi Luwak, it's a 100 US dollars. If you want a wild collected bean, and that's not even a guaranteed wild collected, mm. like they could just be saying that it is, that's 1300 US dollars for one kilogram. That's crazy. Like, yeah. Ugh. So, honestly, like for the sake of the animals, it's just really good not to buy the beans. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. It's whatever. But again, don't buy that. If you see, honestly, I feel like it's been a trend on like TikTok of like, hey, poop coffee, it's really cool. You should try it. Don't. Yeah. Don't listen to Lauren on TikTok, okay? What is that her name? I don't know. I just made up a name. <laughs> it would be a Lauren, of Lauren, course. Or, or like a like a like a Steve for guys. <laughs> we know a guy named Steve, so I'm just joking. But but, but true, yeah, like the idea though is that like it. It's really a tourism gimmick. So what we've also learned is that t the tourism, um, like actually the owner of our shop, Jimmy, was telling me the other day, who's traveled actually a lot through Asia and like had a lot of Asian coffees and or even just like throughout the whole world and had a lot of different coffees. If there is any opportunity for tourism, like coffee tour of the farm or whatever, like et cetera, et cetera, more than likely the regulations on that coffee farm or the way it's being produced is not good. Um, it's just like, you know, I mean, tourism really is just a whole thing in itself that we could get into. But, but the idea though is that, like, if you can find a tourist gimmick in there, it's probably not the most ethical or the most like greatly regulated. Um, especially when it comes to something like this, where you're involving animals in the process. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine the field day PETA has with this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, with that, even as we look at the kind of the last challenge, despite the animal crisis, mm -hmm. within Indonesia, there's 10 main languages, but as many as <clears throat> 748 mother languages are in use. And in order to maintain high quality production, it's necessary for, for farmers and whatnot to be able to communicate between languages and mm -hmm. cultures. So the language barrier here is insane, which is probably so hard yeah. in order to meet and communicate prices of coffee and how, how things are grown, which is honestly a, a challenge that I never really thought about in, in comparison with with other with other coffee growing regions. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, like any archipelago where there are so many, like, mini islands and, of course, like dialects and subcultures and et cetera, like it can only be expected that... There's probably a lot of different cultural and language barriers that we don't really understand. I mean, even just like for me, coming from the West Coast to the East Coast, like that in and of itself, I have my own culture shocks that I have. So like, I can't imagine the culture shock or even just like the cultural barrier between like someone from a tiny island in Indonesia talking to somebody in like the big island of like Java or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's yeah. interesting. So um, but here are some specialty shops we thought worth noting. Yes, yes. Ombie Coffee in Jakarta. Um, Tanamera Coffee. And we'll, we'll put these in our show notes because yeah. some of them are hard to yeah. like, type. We always do. Don't worry. We always do. Tanamera Coffee, um, who are actually the 2016 International Roaster Award winners. Um, so they have various locations throughout Indonesia and Singapore. They're actually huge. Like they have so yeah, many locations. Um, and then, oh, I gotta say, I gotta say this okay, for now. Cool, go ahead, we go have Dua Coffee in my hometown, Washington uh, D.C., the nation's capital. <laughs> I have to say, it. they're really, they're the really nation's dope. Capital. <clears throat> and I, well, I, it's weird to say my hometown because I actually like live in the area now. Like I actually moved back. 
To DC, yeah. To the DC area. Oh yeah, we that remember in episode one I said we get some big news. I moved there. <laughs> oh yeah. Alisa and I are meeting every weekend because uh, we care about Asian culture, we care about Asian coffee, and we yeah. still wanna despite being we two hours away. We're friends. <laughs> yeah. Friend, oh, we're holding hands right now. No, we're not. Oh my god. <laughs> I just I'm working at a specialty shop up in the DC area. I'm super excited to start there, hopefully next week. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the name yet. I want to. I want to surprise people. Okay. Well, this like, is the second week now. Can I that say we're it? It's called Goose Cup Coffee. Yeah. There um, you go. It's super dope. It's. It's kind of new, right? Yeah. It's only been there since February. They're really new specialty shop. They really, they really care about like high quality. It's near the Goose, a, a place called Goose Lake. That's why it's called Goose Cup. Mm. But it's super like, they really care. They roast their own coffee. They only have two syrups. Wow. Which is like wild. Really care about espresso and and like training yeah. of staff and and informing them of our coffee. And if you don't know why two syrups is important, go listen to our coffee one on one episode about specialty shops. Yeah. So um, it's okay to offer syrups. I think it's just a matter of understanding that the third wave. The third of wave, and even and I I spoke with the owner because there's a, like a second wave shop kind of mm-hmm. down the road, and I was like, what is it like competing? Like they're literally like three doors down, like competing an audience and. His answer was literally my answer. He goes, hey, like, we don't want them to fail, but we have to understand that we have a different audience than they have. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like reaching your audience Mm -hmm. and the way you reach your audience is making it as excellent as possible. Like making your own syrups by roasting your own beans and whatnot. That was a side tangent. But I'm super excited to work there. But I'm also kind of working at Third Wave, too. Yeah, he's kind of, Henry's all over the place, dude, because, like, I'm a, yeah. he's, yeah, kind of all over the place. But, I'm still working at Third Wave, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, another mention, we we actually mentioned them in, in Indonesia part one, but... The, but I want you to talk about it more. I because, do, too, yeah. Because I think I cut you off to where you couldn't go in-depth, but, yeah. So, you cut me off again, but that's okay. Just kidding. So, B-Lift. Wait, wait, <laughs> Oh, my God, <laughs> Cut off a third time, because there's going to be a part three of oh, Indonesia. Oh, my God. Okay, so... B-Lift Coffee Beans, or B-Lift Green Beans, I'm sorry, excuse me, um, who were started by uh, Ivan Hartanto like, and his team, Kevin Siowando and Kenny Siowando. Um, they started off in my hometown, San Francisco. I realize how cute that is, right? Like, we've got Dua in Washington, D.C. Oh, and got yes! Yo, actually, the, one of the, the boss men at... At the shop that I'm working at, Goose Cup, is from San Francisco. Wait, really? Yeah. <gasps> I need to tell you about him after this. Oh, cute. We haven't seen each other in a week either, know, so we got to yeah. catch up. <laughs> um, but they're super cool because it, it really started off as like a specialty shop, um, but now they've kind of shifted their gears into doing more green bean work. So they work with coffee farmers in <clears throat> Indonesia. They spend months finding the best farmers around Indonesia, the ones who are willing to embrace those those changes that are coming to the specialty coffee like we mentioned right especially when it comes to um building more like personal relationships with the owners of the farms and then also giving them more um like auditing when it comes to again like the quality control um fair wages reasonable hours the environment etc um so they're constantly working with the community the farmers um and then they also own a roastery um and a coffee shop in indonesia Surabaya, Indonesia, and they undergo a big quality screening as it is a huge concern in Indonesia. So they have an in-house Q grader on the team and they are ensuring that the coffee quality, the green coffee quality especially, is properly coming our way um, into the United States. Yeah. So that was our um, little bit more on on B-Lift. And again, we'll put them in the show notes if you want to learn more about them. Um, but call to action. 
our call to action. What, what do we do? Don't action. buy Copy Luwak for sure. Don't buy Copy Luwak. And <clears throat> I think I'll, it's consistent to talk about, yes, buy from an Indo- buy Indonesian coffee, not from Amazon. Make sure, like, buy from companies, which is important. Small roasters. But what Elisa, what Elisa wrote was like, hey, take the tourism out of coffee. <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't thought about it that way, where if a farmer is like, oh, if they let you tour their place, then they're probably like... Sketch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, like, the reality is, I mean, there's, like, such good and bad sides to everything, right? Because, like, tourism, like, I think about the Dole pineapple plantations in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like, although I'm sure they do get a lot of money from giving these people tours, like, what would really be more beneficial is giving, like, <laughs> land ownership back to, like, Native Hawaiian people, you yeah. know? like. <laughs> and, and honestly, like, unless... Honestly, like, and this is not a dog on people, but, like, our owner's been there, the farmers, farms and whatnot, which is really cool. But a lot of people that go on farms, yeah. I feel like they're just there to, like, take pictures and take selfies. Yeah. And they don't actually care about what coffee is. Yeah. You know, like, and, and this that's what we want to do. We want to inform so people can understand that there's more to coffee than just waking up in the morning. You know? yeah. it, it is it is seriously to taste. Like, when I tell people that I drink, like, five to seven cups a day, they're like, are you crazy? But I'm like, look. I drink it to taste, not to not to feel something. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as like, I don't know, like fried actually, chicken. No, <laughs> no, it's not what I was thinking at all. But the idea is like, I can't come up with a proper analogy for this. But the idea is like, we're not drinking coffee for the caffeine jolt in the morning, although that is a great added bonus. We are drinking it for the taste because coffee should have like a quality taste to it. Um, mm. It's not just some like green bean juice or whatever you know it's like it's it's really like important and especially to these farmers who take all this time and effort to grow it so um yeah i think taking the tourism out of coffee is something that we should kind of work towards um and if you have thoughts on that um even if they are in disagreement i I would love to hear them because i just think that it's a conversation worth having um yeah dialogue not Exactly, yeah. We ain't here to argue with you. We are to educate you and ourselves. Unless you think LeBron's better than Michael Jordan, then we're here to argue with you. Whoa. Wow. I I love LeBron. Don't (laughs) be wrong. I'm a LeBron fan all the way. But Michael (laughs) Jordan. Okay, but like... Who was in Space Jam 1? That's true. Michael Jordan. Who was in Space Jam 2? LeBron. LeBron James. That's true. That's a good point. That's a fair point. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we wouldn't be Asian Coffee Co podcast without doing our last call last call and we did it we used your origami right no oh i thought you used your origami never mind (laughs) i actually bought an origami today in honor of henry's dead one i'm still mad about that i got nothing in my cash app guys (laughs) just kidding if you don't know about it go listen to indonesia part one (laughs) but um we brewed something on the v60 uh i use this pretty dope recipe of my own invention and uh we are drinking from pirates of coffee (sighs) They are also based out of uh, Canada, and read off some of those notes, Henry. Yeah, so it's a, first, it's an Indonesia anaerobic natural, which <clears throat> most coffees are anaerobic, but that's a different, all coffees are anaerobic, but that's a different conversation. That's a nitpicky thing that my manager, Austin, and I have talked about. <laughs> but they are a lighter roast coffee, typica, anaerobic natural, again. And no, it, some of the notes say like blueberry, strawberry, jasmine, so it has that kind of like after Earl Grey taste. And I'm tasting this, and, like, I it literally tastes like a green Jolly Rancher, like green apple Jolly Rancher. Ooh, that's a cool note. I just keep getting lots of, like, pineapple, fruits, like, um, 
like a sweet tart, actually, almost in oh, a way. Yeah, yeah. Very candy-like. The body is probably my favorite thing about it, though. Like, it, I personally like a little bit more of the um, like the milkier texture, those mm-hmm. those bodies, and I think it has that um, as opposed to the Hatch coffee that we drank last time too. It's almost like it's like it's like a thicker body, almost like it's chocolate milk. Yeah, kind of like because it has that sweetness to it. Yeah, but yeah, not yeah. filmy though. Either. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I really really like it, and um, we. We found out about this coffee from our friend Kelvin Lee, who actually follows Asian Coffee, reached out to us, um, told us about uh, this this coffee. Um, he works, I think, in the sales department at Pirates of Coffee, according to your Instagram. That's what it is. But um, yeah, really cool dude. Definitely go give him a follow. We'll link him in our show notes. It's really good coffee. And Pirates of Coffee in our show notes. But yeah, in Canada. And so um, where, where's it from? Which part? It says... Sikoli? Sikoli? West Java, and is a light to medium roast. Um, it is Java. a typica, so it is Arabica. It's um, so good, though. Dude, like, it's I, really good. Blueberry, strawberry, jasmine, plum, gummies. It is also recommended okay. to be brewed on pour-over, so perfect. We brewed it on a pour-over. I want to smell the beans. I and had you know what's really cool, Henry? Oh, is, it smells uh, so good. Look at that color on these. You know what's really cool, Henry? Yo. We have the opportunity for you to win a free bag of this if you wanted. We, we do. Actually, you know why? Because what we've been teasing for weeks has come to be. Yes, we are giving away... Swag! Swag! We had these dope as freak tote bags. Shout out to On Point Prince from Richmond, Virginia, doing that for us. Elise actually designed it, and they kind of resourced it from them. But they're really cool, and on them it it says our, our slogan. Yeah, represent... Wait, reorient, reorient wow. rethink. I don't know represent. my own slogan. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm I know it's super cool. We we honestly we modeled it after a lot of the times when we go to like like Asian restaurants, yeah. you get the thank you, thank you, thank you back, right? Yeah. And so we modeled after something that is typically seen as honestly stereotypical and turning it into yeah. something really good. And like yeah. even on it, it says at the bottom morning to avoid the danger of contributing to systematic racism, pay coffee farmers fair wages, fair wages yep. support. Uh, what does that say? It's really blurry. Why are you reading the blurry photo? We have it on our actual Instagram to read. Okay. <laughs> so it says at the bottom, warning to avoid uh, to avoid danger of contributing to systemic racism, pay coffee farmers fair wages, support BIPOC businesses, and make specialty coffee accessible to all communities. And it also has a little recycle sign because we care about the earth. Yeah, we do. It's it's <laughs> such a cool tote bag. I use it for everything I already. Do too. <laughs> and like everyone a lot of people have commented. But yeah, enter in our giveaway. All you have to do is like our most recent photo that we've uploaded and follow it says us on Instagram. follow us on Instagram. And it says it's a giveaway post because we're probably gonna upload more content right, yeah. before. But hey, you win that, you're gonna win a, a V sixty pour over set. Shout out to our owner at Third Wave Coffee for donating that for yeah. us, Jimmy. And then you're also gonna win a free coffee. From an Asian country of, of your choice. choice. So, so just give us a country and we're going to buy a bag of coffee from that country that we yeah. think will be the best to give to you. Yeah. And then you can share it with your friends or you can hoard it all for yourself. It's up to you. But yeah. the idea, though, is we want to get as many people to drink Asian coffee as possible. Oh, so. And um, also with those photos, uh, shout out to our boy Trey Christian yeah. for, for taking those photos. Thank Trey you so much, Trey. We wanted to so give good. you a shout out, bro, because you, you took those dope photos. It was hot as Oh, my butts. God. I, Outside. I, again, look, I'm from the West Coast, right? Like, we, I, yeah, it's hot out there, but humidity, oh. I was literally, I felt like I was melting. Like, I felt like my you, skin. You can see my hair in that. It was so, like, 
<laughs> and like my hair today, it looks so good. And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? But yes, that's Indonesia. It, it's so cool to see what we've been doing so far and how much we've learned. We have yeah. so much planned for you guys. Uh, be on the lookout on the Instagram at Asian Coffee Co. Yes, And our definitely. Twitter, which is also at Asian Coffee Co. Which is Co. also at Asian Coffee Co. Um, Asian underscore Co. Yeah. You can also um, check out Trey. We'll link them in the show notes. On Point Prince. We'll link them in the show notes. Also, I just want to like hype them up really quick. Like, I'm super super happy we found um, Chat Richmond and On Point Prince, who they are uh, a part of basically, um, because On Point Prince basically is a part of a workforce development program, um, a part of Chat Richmond, which is Churchill activities and tutoring. Um, so they basically like give job opportunities to teens and young adults um, to give them work experience ahead of time before they like go off to college or like go off into their jobs or whatever etc like big boy big girl jobs oh. and um, and so this this these totes were printed by like really cool high schoolers who are now like graduating and going to college ah! and like it's just so cool and I love that and it's like a local business and it's part of a nonprofit um, that's also educating and like providing things for for people in the community real time so I love 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 yeah. them and the work that they do so shout out again to Kalissa for helping us with these prints and being the point person um, you rock you are awesome thank and you chat and thank you Pirates of Coffee. Who, yeah, Pirates, Pirates of Coffee, great coffee. I will say the one we bought is out yeah. right now on the website. <laughs> Actually, but both of them are out. Both Hatch and Pirates of Coffee are out. Yeah, I would say Hatch Coffee bought. too, which yeah. is really good. But check them out right now. There's, there's still a another one. Banyan Tree Indonesian West Java Natural Coffee mm-hmm. out of Pirates of Coffee, which looks really good. Yeah. Buy from Hatch, buy from Pirates of Coffee, both really clean cups, Yep. even though I wasn't able to use my origami. That's okay. That's okay. Next time. We'll get them next time. And we'll get them next time. Also, as always, thank you, Uzu. Han for oh, 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 oh. your dope music. We also found out that a regular who comes to Third Wave knows Uzu Han, and I've been dying for him to come in so I can talk. He hasn't to come him. in this week. No, the whole <laughs> I've been gone. Week. Ugh, I've been wanting to talk, come so badly so I can yeah, talk to him. About I was like it. leaving the cafe Saturday, and this boy was dude was like Josh was like Yo Henry. I'm like Yo, what's up? And he goes. You know Uzahan? I was like, no, but my like we use him for our music and like uh, Elise knows him and he was mm, like, kind of. He's like, it's my my best friend. Said. I was like, what? Oh, so bro, he's gonna come in tomorrow cool. when I work because I'm only only working weekends right now. But like, yo, oh my goodness, Uzahan's dope music. Oh my god. Yeah, Uzahan is so dope. He's really holding it down for the Asian community and like the U.S. Asian community when it comes to like the hip hop and rap genre. So Uzahan, we love you. I love you so much. Um, anyway. That's it on uh, our episode on Indonesia. Thank you for listening to part one and part two. Well, hopefully you listened to part one and part two, but that's okay. Either way, um, we will see you guys next time. Soon. Bye.